1: A lot of people are supposed to be him. He is him. He is him. LeBron's him. Jimmy Butler can be him sometimes. LeBron is him. This is Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys joining us on whatever platform that you've chosen, whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or on YouTube, where you can join the show via a Catch It Live, even when I'm doing it, not when the others do it. But when I do it, I do it live. And joining <laughs> me tonight to do it live, I'm Matt Moore, senior NBA writer from the Action Network on Twitter at hp basketball. Is Tony East. At T-East NBA on today's show, we will talk about the LeBron James and his incredible performance versus the Memphis Grizzlies. as The Lakers take game four and go up three games to one. We'll talk about Jimmy Butler and his even more incredible performance versus the Milwaukee Bucks as the eight seed Miami Heat go up 3-1 on Giannis. As he returned, didn't matter as the Heat go up 3-1 in their series. We'll get to De'Aaron Fox and his injury and what that means for the most compelling series in the Western Conference. All that and more on today's show. I want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Tony, it's 1 a.m. Eastern time, and we just got done watching the Los Angeles Lakers knock off the Memphis Grizzlies in Los Angeles, 117-111, to take a dominating 3-1 series lead in their best-of-seven First round series, the Lakers got this done despite the fact that Anthony Davis went for twelve points on thirteen shots, had eleven boards, two assists, two turnovers, four blocks, but four turnovers. Sorry, two assi- two uh, assists, two steals, um, four blocks, four turnovers, and was a minus three. They got all this because ultimately LeBron James is that guy. Twenty two points, twenty rebounds, seven assists. 8 of 18 shooting, just 1 of 7 from 3. Lakers trailed for the majority of this game. Grizzlies led almost wire to wire, but really it was LeBron and Austin Reeves who actually led the Lakers in scoring with 23 points on 7 to 16 shooting. Ugly game. John Morant made some spectacular plays. Jared Jackson had some spectacular plays. Desmond Bain was great for three quarters, but in an exhausting game, the Lakers get it done in overtime as LeBron brushes past Dylan Brooks for an and one to seal it tough stuff for Dylan Brooks tonight. Who once again was terrible. Cause that's going to be a lot in life. Your thoughts as the Lakers go up three, one in their best of seven
0: series. My thought Matt is to ask you if dropping 20 and 22 counts is dropping 40 on someone. It feels like <laughs> politically it should, given how the series has gone. Yeah, this was weird. Like Memphis had this huge push right before halftime that I I thought was going to be this big swinging moment where they had the lead, they figured it out a bit after being so stagnant in the first half. And like you said, they carried that lead through much of the second half. But at the end of this game, they were one play away so much from putting it away or putting it into a foul shot game situation or something. And they never got it. And in the end, that meant, they gave LeBron chances to be LeBron James. And sometimes that meant he passed to Rui Achimura in the paint when he shouldn't have. And that didn't quite work for the Lakers. And sometimes that meant he took it to the rim and hit a game time shot with 0.8 seconds to go, or drew an and one from on Dylan Brooks to effectively put the game away in overtime. And it's like, sometimes you don't need all these other dudes on your team. Like it felt like he was being not passive, but just like kind of easing in and letting his teammates do it a little bit late in the fourth and in the beginning of OT. But then he just had those moments where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm LeBron. <laughs> he would score. And, and they the, 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 this is just what the Grizzlies have had a problem with all s- series. is like they don't have the perfect matchup for him on the perimeter. And he can just do this sometimes. And when he does, he scores. And that was huge down the stretch of this game where the Grizzlies kind of were floundering.
1: Honestly, for me, this game is like the culmination of everything for Memphis. Like for the Lakers, it's about the legacy and the history and all the contributions and like Darvin Ham went small, and that paid off with D'Angelo Russell hitting three threes, even though it was a terrible night, and uh, Austin Reeves stepping up and making plays, and all this, that and the other. Um, but for me, like uh, to me, a lot of this this series and and this the story of this game, like I think there'll be more. There are more chapters to write about the Lakers. I think this this game in particular was like the culmination of everything for Memphis. John Morant with an injured wrist playing really phenomenal basketball, um, still making dangerous plays for himself. He hurt it again, but played through it. Like his wrist is just good. I don't know how his wrist is still a chat attached at this point. I don't know how he's, his arm is intact at all. Um, I won't be surprised if he gets offseason surgery. The Grizzlies were one of the worst fourth quarter teams in the league. They were one of the worst teams, I believe, they're actually, the worst team in the league in the fourth quarter net rating. And you see it again, they have a lead, a seven point lead when Dylan Brooke or Desmond Bain, I'm sorry, hits a three in the fourth quarter, his last, I think, made field goal of the game, a huge shot. And then they just collapse after that. They just can't hold on to these leads. Why? Because they're half court offense. When the game gets slow, they can't execute. And you see it over and over and over and over again. Taylor Jenkins doesn't trust Luke Kennard, even though he's the only guy that when he's on the floor, there's appropriate spacing to allow the offense to operate as intended. It's been like that's been the whole thing is that when Luke Kennard's on the floor, they have done really well. They have won their minutes. They have played the way they need to. They have gotten it done. You know, Kennard plays 13 minutes tonight and like, yeah, they lost those minutes, but he's the only real shooter on the floor and for the season he's the guy that has really kind of boosted them. And the absence of him late was really crucial. And they needed that offense instead of sticking continuously with, again, with Dylan Brooks, who he won his minutes. He's plus two, but wasn't enough to get it done. They talk so much trash. It comes back to bite them with LeBron putting on this type of performance and this, especially late game blowing past Dylan Brooks for the M one. All of these things, the injuries that really, that I think people really didn't understand what losing Brandon Clark was going to mean for them. It was so huge in this game. Not having Stephen Adams was so huge in this game. Everything came together, and that's why uh, the Memphis Grizzlies are down 3-1. The Lakers the Lakers played phenomenal, I thought, in game one and game three. This one, they didn't even play well, and they still got a win because Memphis, this is the culmination of all of their problems that has put them in this position.
0: I think to to go back on a few things you just said, the first thing is that the biggest stretch of the game that's going to go overlooked because – LeBron made, you know, a game-tying bucket with under a second to go and was really good in overtime, was that stretch where Memphis was up 7, 97-90 with 4.56 to go. And then in a one-minute stretch, D'Angelo Russell, who was quite frankly bad up to this point of the game, scored nine points in a minute and was just like the best player on the floor for a hot second there and gave the Lakers the lead back late, and it it still went back and forth. But for D'Lo, who had had an off night, he had three threes, all dots, two of them off of assists from Reeves to get the Lakers into the game. Like if any one of those doesn't go and like he had a possession two seconds later where he missed two on the same possession, right? Like that was his night, but that one minute was absolutely massive and yet reflective again of like you're talking about some of Memphis's issues defending on the perimeter without Clark and giving the Lakers extra possessions without Adams, right? Lakers did very well on the glass. 13 offensive rebounds, extremely significant, right? They end up doing their thing and keeping up as much as they can. And it matters like Xavier Tillman had his amazing game, but can't do that all the time. Right. It's just the, all their, like you said, all their problems kind of happening at exactly the same time. And, and D'Lo can expose them in a stretch like that. That's extremely significant because the Lakers didn't get good games from a lot of their other trade deadline acquisitions. Even some guys they've had all season. Like Achimura was two for nine Vanderbilt was not very good. His minutes went poorly. Russell before that stretch was awful, but they found a way to get it done and it's because I think Memphis was just too banged up or didn't have an extra gear and like they were they were really struggling they didn't even shoot 40% this game. I didn't realize that till looking at it just yeah. they could not find the bottom of the net. Yeah, no, the offense just isn't where it needs to be and it hasn't been there all
1: season. It was my concern with them all year and it came home to roost in the biggest game of the season for them. It was absolutely brutal. Um couple other notes in this one. So Memphis got scored on the bench 28-19 david roddy is a rookie a late rookie playing in this game playing 20 minutes big Roddy roddy yeah uh, San, sandy aldama actually was not as bad as he has been at times in the series but clearly doesn't have the trust of jenkins he plays 725 um tyus jones only plays 858 in this game which is i think a little bit weird given how good he's been in terms of running the offense but like Zaire williams who they trade up for nothing zero zip Zelch doesn't play um you know, John Conchar doesn't play. They just don't have the guys. Like they traded D'Anthony Melton, who had been huge in this game. They trade. They got rid of Kyle Anderson, who had been huge in this game, and they opted for these young guys. And not only are you missing those veteran contributions on court, but all of the trash talking, all of the nonsense, all of the 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 habits off court, all of that is all related. And
0: they have a, a really bright future, but they got to clean this up. Danny Green would have been huge in this game. That's something random I was thinking about in this game. Like, man, if they had Danny Green. The other thing, too, like, like, Jao clearly had his athleticism and his aggression at times in this game, and like he's still John Moran. He's awesome, but he had a play. I I forget if it was the end of regulation or OT where he had a chance to inbound it long, and he flung his left shoulder all the way back so he could left-hand launch the ball down the court, and this is a right-handed guy, and I saw that, and I was like, that doesn't matter. Like, it's not a relevant play to the result. But, like, the fact that he threw that with his left hand, like, his right hand's hurting. Like, it just is. And it's it. he's playing. You don't get an excuse when you're playing. Like, you got to be better. But when you go away for 24 and you can't be John Morant, hey, that kind of hurts your identity and everything about your team structure too. So, all these things about players being hurt and out, yeah, that sucks. But, you know, John not being able to be John all the way is certainly significant as well. Like, they were running plays for and through Desmond Bain because, He's healthier and uh, uh, has turned into quietly a pretty good creator and runner of an offense, but it, it was almost just as effective because of Jaws' injury. A uh, little bit more credit for the Lakers here. D'Angelo Russell yeah, Ham went
1: to him late in the game and went small, and that could have been a disastrous decision versus the Grizzlies, who like want them to play small because that's what they're missing right now is size. But Russell hit three huge threes, which got them back in the game, like closed that gap in a hurry. Like Russell deserves a lot of credit, even with him being uh, a minus 16 in this game. this uh, Schroeder, huge. It was a plus 24. Uh, I thought his overtime was really bad, but I thought his, like his, he was actually played within himself. I thought during the stretches when they were able to, to make their push. So I thought the Schroeder played really well in those situations. I thought this was actually a really well coached game by him and the decision to go with Russell actually paid off. They needed somebody who could hit a shot and Russell is their best chance of that outside of the big two who weren't hitting anything. Again, I want to stress this LeBron shot 44% from the field and 14% from three and missed two free throws. And the Lakers won. Anthony Davis had more shots than points and was a minus three. And the Lakers won. This was a disastrous loss for Memphis and probably seals the series. On the other side, who oh boy, Giannis returns, but Jimmy Butler says, not gonna matter the heat the miami zombie heat go up 3-1 we'll talk about that on the other side but first i need to tell you about the game time app uh lots of, of sports going on right now you've got nba playoffs nhl playoffs you've got mlb in full swing you've got all this great stuff going on concert season is finally here now that the weather's warm And you want to go to get tickets or you had something open up. You thought you were going to be busy, but you're open and you can go see the show now or you can go to this this game, but you didn't get tickets in advance. That's why you want to check out Game Time because they've got everything that you need, including flash deals. Forget planning months in advance. They've got tickets right now, right up to the day of the event. And you get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, baseball, basketball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section in row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA, L O C K E D O N N B A, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Back here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. Tony East filling in for David Drummill, who I imagine is having himself a pretty good night as a co host of Locked On Heat <laughs> as the Miami Heat go up 3 1 over the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh boy. Tony, the Bucks led. I just I rewatched the fourth quarter. Bucks led by 13 midway through this fourth quarter. About seven minutes ago, they led by 13. Had this in the bag. It was done. And the Bucks did what they have done every postseason, including 2021. They just managed to get past it. They missed open shots and they completely broke down and the opponent hit everything led by an absolutely incredible, sensational, un- indescribable performance from Jimmy Butler. 56 points in 41 minutes on 19 of 28 shooting, including Jimmy Butler, who doesn't take threes, Shot eight threes, hit three, including a late step back, which was an absolute monster shot. 15 of 18 from the line. He got to the line for 18 shots, nine rebounds, two assists, and a block with just one turnover for Jimmy Butler. As the Miami Heat win, 119-114, despite 26 points, 13 assists, and 10 rebounds from Giannis, and 36 points, 11 boards from Brooke and it still wasn't enough. The Heat are one win away from knocking out the number one seed, the NBA championship favorite, Milwaukee Bucks. Your reaction?
0: Uh, The Heat are three minutes away from losing a play-in game at home and being out. Like, how did this – this this is so Miami Heat, right? Like, they are the only team that I would think has this plot line – in them, but it's just Spo and even Ty Lue, even though the Clippers aren't gonna win. Like, they're the two coaches that in these situations they're just awesome. And Jimmy Butler also just happens to be amazing in these situations as well. It's just what the Heat do. They find game plans that work, they find the right guys to do well. Like, yes, Jimmy was amazing, but they always find these role player successes. And like, this is a heat stat, too. Tim Reynolds from the AP, thank you for this. The Heat entering today in the last 25 years, Matt Moore. They were nine and four hundred and ninety-four when trailing by 14 or more in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Now they're 10 and 494, right? Like that just doesn't happen. But it did because they're the heat in the postseason, and they don't care if you're down 13 in the middle of the quarter. I I can't remember exactly when that big deficit was, but Jimmy Butler just does everything. Like it's funny if you go through the play-by-play of the fourth quarter, just scroll to any random moment. There's at least three Jimmy Butler buckets, like on the the heat side of the ledger. And I still thought – when they were down too late that they were gonna lose this game, Brooke Lopez was amazing and gave the, the the Bucks a late lead. But Jimmy was just too good. 21 in the fourth for him, and yet the heat culture stuff that I mentioned, like other guys stepping up, Caleb Martin was awesome in this game in every way. On the glass, scoring the ball couldn't miss defense was fantastic. Kyle Lowry was good again. Heywood Highsmith gave him just enough defensively on the interior. Like the, it's just the heat. They just find ways to win these games all the time. And and I, I gave a lot of credit to those guys, but when you have 56 and 9, like it's Jimmy Butler's show. Sorry, sorry. Jimmy Butler's show, <laughs> as they say. You know, I talked about how like that Memphis game was
1: everything Memphis. This game was everything Miami and everything Milwaukee at the same time. Um Look, the Bucs won in 2021. And I say this not as somebody that's like a doubter or a hater. I say this as somebody that wants good things. Like I think Giannis being in Milwaukee and wanting to be there and winning a title with them, like that's a good story. They built a great team. They got great coaching from Mike Budenholzer. They upgraded over Jason Kidd and they, they stuck with Chris Milton and believed in him and they traded all their assets for Drew Holiday, who was worth it. And they believed in what Brooke Lopez could bring. And they did all these things. And it was great that they won a title and Bobby Portis. Like they did all these things and they brought in a title, but, As somebody that has watched them through all these playoff runs over the last four years, five runs, this is the thing that's most frustrating is they can have all the good process in the world, but when things get really tight, they don't hit shots. And for some reason, for some reason, the opponent does. And I'm swearing to you, it's not bad defense because if you look at, at any of the metrics that evaluate like how good a shot is this based off of the contest level, like, the contest numbers for Miami in the series are insane. Like, this is some of the best shot-making you will ever see relative to the standard. And even then, though, like, it's not like you can excuse it. It's not like, oh, just bad luck. You had a 13-point lead. You have to hold that on the road. The other thing I'll say here, Tony, Mike Budenholzer talked uh, about the situation with Giannis over the last couple of days. And one of the things he said was, like, you know he wanted to play in Game Three, but like we have to make the best decision for him long term, and like all these types of things. The tone of the comments was very much like, "Well, no, yeah, like we're just being cautious with him." He really wanted to play. If Giannis feels like he can play, and you are on the road in a one-one series versus this team, I'm not saying you should risk like long. If it's like, oh yeah, he could suffer a serious injury that could end his career. Cool. If that's the case, forget everything I'm saying. But if Giannis feels like he can play and you sat him because you were just like, oh, we can we can afford to lose this one. Now you can't because now it's 3-1 and your odds of winning this series are tiny. Your margin for error is now zero. You lose another game and that's it. And that might be it for a number of things. Like you lose like this with where they're at with salary cap and age and we're talking. Coaching staff, we're talking roster changes and all of those things. It's going to be very difficult to reconfigure a championship team around Giannis, which leads to much bigger questions. I am deeply concerned that the Bucs have maybe, with a lot of assumption, bought into an idea that they were a little bit better maybe than they were because of their record, which wasn't backed up by their performance for most of the season.
0: Uh, uh, Matt, I'm getting a phone call to remind listeners too that they just had an ownership change too. Oh, that. Oh, always, uh-huh, That always makes this stuff exceedingly complicated. Look, maybe it's just who I am, or maybe it's that I've seen the heat inexplicably, inexplicably is wrong. They're very talented, but make the finals and conference finals in the last three seasons. But if I lose home court advantage to them, I don't care if it's the one eight, like I'm chip chewing my nails. I'm chewing my toenails. Like I, I just, I'm nervous about everything. And so, Yeah, if you got to be cautious, you got to be cautious. And I get being confident; they won in Game Two without Giannis. But you gotta, you gotta go for the throat at all times. And this is why you just lose two games in Miami, and all of a sudden you have to win in Miami and twice at home, where you've already lost once, to just get out of the first round. It's like you know. Again, I get the caution; I truly do. But it seems like you got to be playing guys all the as as often as you possibly can. And I'm not a doctor; I'm just. If he could have played, I think they should have uh, because this is why, right? You never know when superhuman Jimmy Butler, 16-game player, is going to show up and the Heat are going to shoot over 40% from three despite being a crummy shooting team. And they've played in a bajillion close games this season, right? I think they led the league by like 10 games or something in clutch games. Like, they're used to this. They know what to do, and they did it. And the Bucks, Giannis was good in his return, right? 26 on 22 shots and was triple-double machine and all the other stars for them. Like Drew and Chris were combined. What is this ten for thirty-one? Like you'd need better than that. I don't care yeah. if, if you're reinserting honest. You just have to be better than that, and they weren't. Uh, also, what's crazy here? Heat starters got waxed.
1: Outside of Butler, who played with the second unit, their, the Heat starters got waxed in their minutes. Like Caleb Martin had two points going. I think into like this into late like mid third, and he ends up with twelve. Had ten points, I think, in the second half. Huge stuff. Nine boards for Caleb Martin, who has been, by the way, he has the best net rating in the NBA playoffs. Like, no team awesome. has been better with any individual he player than the, than the Heat have been with Caleb Martin in the series. How wild is that? Uh, Duncan Robinson. Not only did Duncan Robinson uh, hit three threes, which obviously, like, every three is precious for Miami, who shot 41% from three. Um, and it's a big way that you gain an advantage over the Bucs as they hit uh, the same number of threes that the Bucks did tonight. Robinson was a plus 15 Robinson had some good defensive plays. Don't say that very often really did had some good rotations. So amazing stuff from Miami. We'll see if they can close it out. It's going to be absolutely wild if they do, but it does look like there's a very good chance that the two seed in the West and the one seed in the Eastern conference are both going. This
0: is the heat to me. Like Max Struess is the dude in the playing game. Okay. Let's turn to Depot now. Okay. He's good. Oh, he started. Okay. Duncan Robinson. It's your turn. It's like, ha, what what's the breaking bad line they can't keep getting away with it the, they but they <laughs> do they just keep whoever it is they're ready to go eric bolster has got the plan they got this and they they're so tough to beat i wouldn't want to if i'm the next the calves whoever i don't want to play them next I mean, it's the heat they've they've been super good in the playoffs for years five seed is up three one
1: the eight seed is up three <laughs> one the seven seed in the west is up three one the four seed in the West is up 3-1, um, and the uh, two two and three in the, in the East are at least fine. So we have some semblance of normalcy, and the one seed in the West is up 3-1. We'll see how those series shake out. On the other side, some devastating news for the Sacramento Kings. We'll talk about De'Aaron Fox's injury and what it means for the Kings in their series versus the Warriors. We'll do that on the other side. But first, I'm going to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand Slams, no hitters and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action. That FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official major league partner of Major League Baseball. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets after. I talk about Prize Picks because that's our other sponsor. I want to tell you about Prize Picks. Who's having an amazing promotion? They're having a one million daily super flex promotion every day of the NBA playoffs through the finals. One Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry plays after 8 a.m. Eastern will be randomly selected each day. Whoever plays that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks equals $1 million. Five correct picks equals 80,000. And four correct picks equals 16 grand. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com/slash million. You must opt in at the link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. But once you opt in, all you got to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. You just pick two to six players. And if they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can go up to 25 times your money on any entry, you're not competing against other people. So you're not looking dealing with folks that have tons and tons of models in front of them. It's just you versus the projections and the offer projections on any sport that you watch NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL playoffs are in full swing. PGA college sports, uh, WNBA starts soon. Tony East has got you covered on all things. Fever is he covered Elite Boston presser this morning uh you can cover that at price picks euro basketball cricket and more entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's just that easy they offer safe and fast withdrawals and are currently operational in over 30 states and canada download the price picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a 100 percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with promo code locked on don't forget to enter promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is Daily Fantasy Made Easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Final segment here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us. Make sure to tune in tomorrow. John Corrales and Jake Madison will have you set for the Tuesday slate and get you set for your Wednesday in the association big games tomorrow as teams look to close out their series. Make sure to tune in right here for whatever the next bout of drama is going to be. Uh, all right, Tony. So the bad news today was the Aaron Fox, uh, the injuries continue in the NBA playoffs as the Aaron Fox suffers a hand injury that has left him doubtful for game five of the Western conference series versus the warriors um, devastating kind of injury. Obviously Fox, the best player in this series by far for the Sacramento Kings. It's not even close in terms of his importance. So it's hard to kind of figure out like exactly what this means. Um, He fractured the very tip of his left index finger, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN in game four, by the way, he played the rest of that game and made the uh, shot that tied the game for over Draymond green. Absolutely incredible. Um, there's still hope he'll try and play in game five on Tuesday. Sources tell ESPN Fox would need to play with a protective covering on the finger. He will be listed as doubtful. So maybe he can play here. Obviously it's, it's not great to have that kind of an injury on your hand. It's going to be very painful. We have seen guys play through a lot of hand injuries though, before including just John ja Morant tonight, who was pretty spectacular. What are your thoughts on the Fox injury?
0: It sucks, first of all. I mean, he's averaging 31.5, six, and seven right now. Like that, it, it, first playoffs ever. That's crazy good. And I think Anthony Slater, who's covering the Warriors and Kings in the season for the Athletic, had the video of when it happened and like it got caught on Looney's hand on a shot, kind of. And then he hits the three, like you just mentioned, right over Draymond to tie or put them down one in that fourth quarter of game four. Like he looked good, but it was one of those injuries as it's kind of been. Explained more on the internet space that, you know, right at first it, it just kind of hurts, but it swells over time. So it was probably worse in the coming days, which is why he was able to play and play well to close out the game. But yeah, even if it's just something as minor as playing with a brace that's still a significant thing right like it was for Moran and maybe I'm overthinking one pass he made with his left hand but certainly something that would bother him and Darren Fox is left-handed so this is his shooting hand and this is the same injury Sabonis I think has been dealing with too right for most of his season that he started dealing with back in December like it just sucks for the Kings that this is the case and the reason it's a big deal for them among many is like he's so much of their creation out of their non-DHO game that the Warriors have blown up pretty well right like Davion Mitchell's had a great series he's defended well he's understood the staff assignment as well as anyone can but a lot of his offensive stuff that's been really impressive and needed is created by someone else right and so he's not gonna be able to run the show at a high enough level like if Fox can't play at all I mean I'm kind of worried like how are the Kings gonna create enough points because they've done well I don't want to belittle their offense they've done awesome quite frankly scoring the ball but Fox has been a huge part of that they're playing him so much because they need him to kind of run that show and i'd be i'll be interested to see if he can't play what they kind of do to counteract that or how they continue to have as good as possible half-court offense
1: yeah the half court stuff is actually pretty fascinating um in the regular season the kings had the number one uh half-court offense in the league they were lights out it was since by mile yeah. but it was crazy how good they were uh in the playoffs however They're just 12th. They're actually uh, at just 94.6 at cleaning the glass. That's not good. Like if you really kind of break this down, when the Warriors are not turning the ball over – they're getting they're controlling this game, which is why these games have been so close. So, you know, Fox's inability maybe to, to make more steals and swipes and, and play on the defensive end with the finger might actually make a little bit of a difference. It's hard to evaluate this. I've seen John Wall play with like a fractured wrist that they br- like braced together and he managed to play through it. Like I've seen crazy p- things when it comes. Players can't play through leg injuries, but they can play through hand injuries in amazing ways. We'll see what they can what they can perform, but the series has been so tight. Uh, I have no idea what to expect, because honestly, it seems like every game this last game, it looked like the Warriors were in charge and then the Kings just kept hanging in and kept hanging in, but couldn't get it done. Warriors controlled game one for a lot of it. And then the Kings just stormed back to win. So uh, the unpredictability, I think, is is huge in the series.
0: Can I make fun of the people who said, ah, the the King should want to beat the Warriors at full strength and have Draymond play? Well, then the the Warriors should be bummed about this injury because now there's going to be an asterisk if they beat the King. See how stupid that sounds when it's flipped around? I Um, was one of those people. So I will just uh tell you right now.
1: I'll just tell you right now. I will absolutely write the column that the the Warriors should be disappointed in the Fox injury. (laughs) I'll be consistent. Asterisk for everyone, Tony. Everybody gets an asterisk. (laughs)
0: It's different when it's the defending champs and a team that hasn't made the playoffs in sixteen years, certainly. Um, but yeah, you know the the. I, I wonder if he could or couldn't play, but like the thing about the brace too is like if you're Darren Fox and you miss, I don't know, one of your first f- three shots, right? you're automatically thinking about it for your next couple, right? Because there's a thing on your hand and it's your shooting hand and you feel it every time you touch the ball or try to put a shot up in the air, right? Like that's going to bug you or be a part of what you're thinking. And maybe he can blow right through it and it's no problem, which players have done forever and ever. But it's just a thing that I'll be curious how he reacts to if he does play. I don't, I don't think his series is over. Like if he's not even being listed as out for the next game, but perhaps he does miss a game, which is a huge bummer. For the Kings. And so, yeah, the natural progression, and we both just talked about it a little bit, is how do they what is their new plan to create? Right? How can they, can they get enough out of the DHO game to make it work? If is can someone else step up kind of as a handler? Because like Kevin Herter has not made anything in this year. He's shot poorly. They've they haven't even been playing him. They've gone to Monkmore, they've gone to Mitchell more, like they, and that's been the right choice. Like he, he can't stay on the floor enough in this series. And Murray finally broke out a little bit last time Barnes has been playing well, but like, you don't want to have them having the ball all the time. So maybe it's Malik Monk a lot. Uh, you know, I don't know what it would take if Fox is out, but he's just so important to them and them generating good points that I, they, they might just have to shoot well around to bonus screens or get a bajillion stops to be able to run in transition because he's that valuable to them being able to score.
1: Before we get out of here, uh, a little bit of a live update. Dylan Uh-oh. Brooks and John Morant both declined to speak with media tonight after the loss Both to the Lakers. Both Is that allowed? To, yeah, uh, probably not, actually. They'll probably get fined. <laughs> uh, not a good look. Again, the Grizzlies, I I love the Grizzlies. They need uh, some Matt, adults. They're
0: fine in the West, obviously. Fine in the West.
1: Bad. Need, need oh. some adults in the room
0: very badly
1: oh, in Memphis, wow. Tennessee. That's going to do it for Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. we are back tomorrow with Jake Madison and John Corrales. Thanks for hanging in. Make sure to follow Tony on Twitter at TEastNBA. You can follow me on Twitter at HP Basketball. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On NBA. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.